Uh, today we're going to be uh, continuing on our series, Jesus Said. What? So um, you, can, you can think of this however you want, but the, way, the easiest way to describe the series is we are traveling through the Bible looking at the very difficult things that Jesus said and the difficult subjects, and I'm, we're not going to cover it all because, you know, if you've ever read through like sort of the red letter versions of the Bible or the red letter portions of the Bible, you kind of go, whoa, that is hard to understand. Anybody? Or is it just me, right? Any of you guys? It's, sometimes it's hard to understand, and you just have to uh, trust him, but think about it, and don't be afraid to go there. You know, don't be afraid of the Bible. Don't be afraid of the hard sections of Scripture. And the reason why it's good to wrestle with some of those things is that we come out of it a more, um, more informed, but also more able to get closer to the truth of who Jesus is. And so I want you to get close to Jesus. And today, I'm really excited to talk about a subject that um, is is an issue with all of us, right? So sometimes we talk about things and it's just a group of people that might struggle with that. But today, I, I'm going to talk to you about something that uh, is common to everyone. In fact, you struggled with this probably, if not this morning, certainly in the last 24 hours, 100% certain you've struggled with it in the last week, months, years. It's, it's common to all of us, and that is the issue of temptation. So would you stand today and let's read the words of Jesus. Go ahead and stand as we read God's word together. Today we're in Luke chapter 22, just beginning in verse 39. So Jesus is uh, heading toward his crucifixion, and his disciples are uh, walking with him through this, and we pick it up in verse 39. He went out, and he made his way, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. When he got up from prayer and came to the disciples, he found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray that you won't enter into temptation. Heavenly Father, this issue of temptation is one that follows us around as a matter of fact. It is, it is a result of the fall and of sin and of the whole universe groaning as if it was in childbearing pains, or this is, this is what your word says. And so today, Lord, we want to take a bold look at temptation and what it means and how you have created for us a way out. In your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So this is one of those messages where for the last week, I was away on a little bit of a camping trip this week and had a lot of time to think about it. And I mean, this one kind of kept coming back to me because I'm really excited for what God is going to do because of not the things I say, but because of his word. He speaks very clearly in his word to this issue of temptation. Many of you Honestly, I believe our, you feel trapped by temptation. 
You are walking through life. You are tempted. You don't know what to do when it happens. And you want to be free from certain things in your life that have held you in bondage for years and years. I know that some of you want to come to a better understanding of what temptation is and of what the Scripture says about temptation. I wanted to introduce you today to a God who is faithful in providing a way out of temptation. Now, maybe it's something big in your life, something that is hurting you and you know exactly what it is, and you struggle with it, and you're very aware of it. Maybe it's something that you're not so aware of, but everybody kind of knows that this is an issue that you struggle with. Or maybe it's just something small that is annoying you in your life, but the temptation keeps coming back. Whatever it is, I want you to know that God is faithful. He cares about you. He loves you, and he wants to provide a way out. We're going to find out that God is not a God that leaves us alone in our temptation. Maybe it's something in your life that just shouldn't be there. Anybody have anything like that? Everybody at some point in their life has something or struggles with something that just shouldn't be there. Maybe it's, uh, in your life, it's something uh, related to substances. Maybe it's alcoholism. Maybe it's uh, consuming uh, another substance. Maybe it's just honesty. Telling the truth is difficult for you, and you want to slide back into kind of storytelling, exaggerating, and, and just honesty is an issue that you struggle with. There's a temptation. Um, maybe for many of us, like, it could be an eating issue. So uh, that's across the spectrum. Maybe you're struggling with, with a sugar addiction, and that, that is one issue that, that, that people do. Like, there's sexual addiction. This is rampant in our society, very common. It's all over the world today, sexual addiction. Uh, maybe some of you guys, um, it's a spending issue. So, uh, you know, maybe making you feel uncomfortable, right? Because you walk into a store and, or you're, you're shopping online and you're spending way too much. And that, that whole thing just becomes a temptation. Uh, and, and maybe on the other end of the spectrum, you're, you're a gambler. You, you, you gamble, you gamble a little online, or you like those trips to Vegas. And uh, so it's a temptation to continually spend and to do more than you have, live above your means, and that's your area of temptation. The thing that's interesting about temptation is different among all of us, and we sort of map over that completely differently to one another. Uh, for, for many of us, it's that, it's that phone. I, you know, I, I realize this in my life is that, that increasingly the mobile phone thing is becoming an addiction. And, and we have to watch out for it because what happens is, you know, we get, we, we're just in a conversation and social media and just that ding, ding, ding and the notifications and having to constantly pull out our, our phones. You know, one day it's like, it's just like, you know, my thumb is going to fly off, right? You know, it's just we're constantly being interrupted and we're even struggling to have, you know, a normal engagement and a conversation and a relationship. And maybe you don't have any idea what is what this is doing to you. You know, maybe in your temptation, you don't even understand what is going on in your heart and what is occurring inside of you. And so today I want to hope to like unveil that a little bit. Uh, because, because for many of us, we can't have intimate relationships with others because of our temptation. We, we don't understand it, so it gets in the way of, you know, back to social media, for example, or our smartphone addiction. It can get in the way of like healthy human relationships. It can get in the way primarily of our relationship to our creator, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But thankfully, God has given us a way out, a way of escape from temptation. And today I want to look at a verse. It's going to be the touchstone verse of the rest of our time together this morning. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
verses 12 through 13. Therefore, whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. So right then and there, what I said earlier is that everyone here experiences temptation. But here is the good news about it. And I love this section of scripture. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape, a way of escape. I love that. And so that you are able to bear it. And so every time you're tempted and you feel it's overwhelming, I'm going to tell you that God has provided a way of escape from that temptation. First of all, we got to go into this with, I think, a good definition of what temptation is. There are many out there, but the one that I love and I'm just going to go with is this one. It's anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Anything that promises satisfaction, but it's at the cost of obedience to God. We are called to be Christ followers, to do what he asks us to do, to follow him, to say yes to him. And temptation is something that promises satisfaction, but you're going to pay in your obedience to God. So uh, just before we begin, I wanted to talk a little about about something that's kind of interesting that um, I just got done reading a book on, and that is this, uh, um, in your brain, you have something called uh, dopamine. Dopamine, if you're not familiar with it, is sort of the chemical that creates uh, euphoria. Uh, it's, It's sort of like a payoff. So when you do something that makes you happy, you get a little bit of a dopamine hit. And that comes through all kinds of things, and it's a very good system whereby you, um, you do something that you enjoy, and the enjoyment is the dopamine release. And it makes you want to kind of do that thing again and again. It's, it's actually a really healthy thing, and it's really a good thing that, as God created that in us. But there's something interesting about the dopamine cycle is that it can actually work against us when it comes to the issue of temptation. Because we do something, and we say something, maybe out of anger, and our brain sort of like rewards us a little bit with that hit of dopamine. And then, of course, later, you regret it. You go, well, I'm really sorry I said that. I shouldn't have done that. The dopamine cycle goes down, and then, then you want more. Well, so the interesting thing about it is that the receptors in your brain, and I'm not a neuroscientist, so I'm not going to go too far into this, but I do know that, that they, they grow dull through time or less apt to receive. Uh, the receptors are, grow over time a little bit less apt to receive dopamine. So you kind of need more. And in, in, in needing more, that's where we get trapped in this cycle of guilt and regret and shame. In temptation, that means that we need more of the thing that caused the receptors to give us the dopamine if it's a negative thing, and we want more and more and more. So moving on past that, what are four things that are true in Scripture about temptation? What are four things? I'm going to cover four truths about temptation. Number one, it is not a sin to be tempted. Now, many of you guys are already like, wow, I didn't know that. It's not a sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, but yet without sin. So Jesus himself was tempted. He was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. The Bible says in every way that we are, with passion, with with giving in to his emotions, possibly with behaviors. Jesus was fully human, yet fully God, and he was subject to 
temptation, and yet he did not sin. So it's important to realize then the conclusion is, is that it is not a sin to be tempted, not at all. And you have to understand this. Because our spiritual enemy wants to take us down, and one of the ways that he will use that is through this mechanism called false guilt, false guilt. It's kind of like this. So if you're, let's say you're watching your sugar, as I try to do, and, and you're walking into your office, and all of a sudden, one day, you know, for you, you're really trying hard not to eat donuts or not to, you know, eat candy. You walk into your office, and if this ever happened to you, then there's like a dozen, there's a box of dozen donuts, fresh They smell so good, right? You look at them and immediately you just go, oh, I want that so bad, right? Have you sinned in wanting that donut? No, you haven't. It's the temptation to it. You you know, they might be calling you out. They might be like, eat me, you know, please just eat me. Eat one, you can do one. And, And even if you like linger over that box a little bit and you go, oh, I would just, I would give anything to have one, but then you walk away. Have you sinned? Have you transgressed? No, you haven't. But have you ever felt just a little bit guilty that you even wanted the donut? You ever felt just a little bit like guilty that maybe you should have not even wanted that thing? No. So, so that's false guilt. That's false guilt. How many of you guys have ever like walked out of a store? I, I, I even have this happen to me. I've never shoplifted in my life, ever. But ever walked out of a store and kind of had that feeling like, Maybe I'm shoplifting. Anybody like, oh, you know, it's like that false guilt. Like, man, um, you know, I should check my pockets or, you know, I just feel like I maybe should have bought something or somebody could be like looking at me in the cameras. And so there's this false guilt that occurs when we're engaged in something that we don't even do on a normal basis or things that have happened to us in the past that keep coming back with the load of temptation that now we feel in terms of false guilt. And here's the thing is that, and I I think this is so important, if we conflate or confuse temptation with sin, we will have false guilt. What happens when we have false guilt? We medicate our guilt with what? Sin. We medicate it with sin. And it's the, the issue is like, I already feel bad, but I might as well have more. I already feel bad about this, so I might as well give in and have more. It can really be a thing where we medicate our false guilt with with sin itself. So number one is not a sin to be tempted. Number two, this is important, you are never above temptation. So when you start saying things like, I would never, I could never, that's not me, I'm above it. You are never above temptations. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 said, and we read it earlier, therefore, whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. What, so this is the thing. If you are careful to, um, to not to fall, then you are standing firm in Christ. Anytime you think that that's above you, you're actually exposing yourself to a weakness because your spiritual enemy doesn't just come at, at your strengths. He does do that, right? I mean, if you're, for example, if you're um, struggling with a certain thing, you know, the enemy will bait that hook with the thing that you want. It's going to be different than someone else. So, you know, for, for you, for example, if you're kind of a, uh, like a, a frugal person, you're not going to be tempted to spend online. The enemy's not going to bait that hook. But there are things which, if you say, I can never be tempted at all in that area, that the enemy will come at you 
in your weakness. So you are never above temptation. Everybody knows that, like the story of a family guy, somebody that's living his life above reproach and seems to kind of have it all together, that does the right things, then he's very overconfident in his strengths, and then tragically, we see them fall. The issue is that the, the enemy will bait us with those things that are not just our weaknesses, but are our strengths. So we have to guard really carefully against self-reliance, overconfidence, self-confidence, because our heart is, the Bible says, deceitfully above all, deceitful above all things. We, we lie to ourselves. It's so easy. We tell ourselves all the time, you know, lies. This is who we are. This is who we are. And it's not true. We have no idea what we're capable of. And if we draw that line and we say, I will never cross it, you would be surprised. You, we are capable, honestly, of the grossest sin given the right environment. And in a moment of anger, in a moment of your guard being dropped where things happen, um, you will do crazy things. There was an, a great documentary that I just watched, and it was the question was being asked. Actually, it was a movie um, and the question was being asked in the movie was, you know, how, many, how much time has, has happened before the thought of the crime and the actual crime itself? And these guys went around the, the room and they were saying, like, it's literally seconds. You know, half a second. Just that moment. It wasn't even a second. It was two seconds. I think the longest person that said, you know, I gave it four seconds. And then I gave in to my passion. So when the thought of the crime happened and the committing of the crime, generally it's, it's very quick. And the, the takeaway from that is that you never know in that moment of passion. So we are never above temptation. It's important. So number one, the important thing to understand is that sin, that temptation is not sin. Number two, you are not above temptation. Number three, God will never tempt you. God will never tempt you. God will test you, but he will never tempt you himself. There's a difference. God tests you to do what? to move you forward in life. God tests you to prove your faithfulness that you might through adversity or suffering or trials move forward in your life to get better, to improve. But temptation is uh, the enemy trying to move you backwards. Temptation is an obstacle placed before you that is an attempt to move you in the wrong direction. God says, I'm gonna see if you will be obedient to me Here's the test. And so God can test us, but he will never tempt us. He doesn't walk, uh, you know, send something in our way that will uh, tear us down spiritually, that will move us backward. James 1.13 says it this way. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God. For God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. So temptation comes from what? It comes from our own desires. Temptation is something that can come from our spiritual enemy, but it also comes from our own wicked desires. The Bible says, which entice us and draw us away. Temptation is the person that says, hey, I'm a pretty good guy, but in reality, you are a sinner, and so am I. We are bent away from God by nature and by choice. We have turned our backs on him. By nature, we are not good people. And so continuing on in James 1, in verse 14, it says, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by what? His own evil desires. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to what? Sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives 
birth to death. Sin never makes life better. It always destroys. It will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. It will hold you longer than you ever wanted to be held. It is destructive. It is insane. Sin is insane. It promises satisfaction. Oh, this is going to be fun. You know, it's okay. I'll just try this this one time. I'm an exception to the rule. Oh, this is going to spice up our marriage. This is going to make me feel special. It's going to help me to relax. We are excuse factories. The human heart is deceitful above all things. Then when it comes to sin, we will make every excuse and we will travel down that path and then it begins to unravel every single time. It unravels. There's a consequence to pay for our sin. But we have a generation of people uh, we're all a part of it in this culture, in this society, and it always has been, really, that people will just say, this is just who I am. It's my genetic makeup. I'm, it's just my one thing. It's in my genes. Um, I will, or just on the other side of it, like, I'm never going to overcome it. Why even try? This is something I'm always going to struggle with. I'm never going to overcome temptation, so I'm just going to accept who I am. I'm going to accept what happens to me. I'm going to accept my sin. And so it's an excuse factory. Martin Luther, who was the, uh, the birther of the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, said a powerful, powerful thing. And I wanted to share that with you. Martin Luther said, if you want to be a theologian, and I guess if you want to substitute that, you, you want to be somebody that rightly thinks about God. He said, there's really three ingredients that you need. Number one, you need prayer. So that's obvious, right? He said, number two, you need meditation. And then the third thing he said is you need temptation. That's really odd when you think about it. But the way Martin Luther described it, he said, I'm going to try to get this right. My son is a Latin student. He said, oratio, meditatio, temptatio. That's what you need. And the thing that he, he broke it down like this, prayer, in prayer, you are learning to talk to God. You're using your voice. You're experiencing God. You're praying to him. But then in meditation, you're actually listening to God. You're slowing yourself down. You want to listen to the voice of God. You want to be influenced by scripture, by music, by friendships. It's, it's, it, so it's beyond just like meditation in the Eastern sense, right? It's not that at all. It's not an emptying of your mind, but it's, not, it's a filling of, of God's thoughts inside of you. That is meditation. But then the last one is temptation. And he said that it's learning to depend on God. It's a really interesting perspective. Prayer is talking to God. Meditation is listening to God. But temptation is learning to depend upon God. And so what he's saying then is that every temptation is an invitation to depend upon God. So when you're tempted, you have an opportunity in that moment to say, you know what, I, on my own, I'm not capable of overcoming this, but I can depend on Christ who strengthens me, that he will get me through the temptation, that he will provide a way of escape that his grace is sufficient for me and his power is made perfect in my weakness then so I can depend on God. So every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. I love that. It's such a well-rounded perspective. And when I read this quote and I kind of traveled down this a little bit further, I began to see that Martin Luther is very wise. He's very wise. Temptation, meditation, prayer. When you're tempted, he is faithful. 
in your own fleshly nature, you do not have the ability to overcome it. You don't have the ability to kill that sin. You don't have the ability to become better just through your own effort. But it is by temptation and learning to recognize it and then to depend on Christ, you can overcome some incredible things. And I wanted to give you that. So biggest point of encouragement today. Number four is there is always a way of escape. Always, always a way of, way of escape. Going back to 1 Corinthians 10, in verse 13, it says, No temptation has overcome you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, with it, he will provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. Now, maybe it's learning through this situation to confess your sin to someone that you trust, another believer, and ask them for help. I'm struggling with this. We have such a hard time with it. You know, one of the interesting things is when I talk about this subject of confessing our sins, confessing our weaknesses, usually I get heads nodding that people agree with me. But I want to ask you a really hard question, and that is, are you putting that idea to practice in your everyday life? Are you hanging out with people that you trust and saying, look, I'm walking through some very difficult stuff. You know, I think the internet is wonderful, and I love it, and I love social media, but it provides a platform for anonymity, where you can just soak in the information from other people, but you don't have a human relationship where there's sort of bilateral. You know, you're giving and you're taking a little bit. And, and sharing your sins and sharing your temptations is a way for you to grow in overcoming temptation. Maybe it's beyond that, and you need therapy or you need rehab. You need some deep healing. You need to get some distance and some time away from an addiction. That's, um, that's, that's something that we need. It's part of overcoming, a way of escape. Maybe it's just simply this. How about accountability? One thing I love in our, in our church culture is that we have developed among the men in our church a, a real deep sense of accountability to one another in how, in what we're watching, what we're seeing online, what we're doing, what, what are, what's filling our eyes. And we, we really work hard at creating a culture of honesty and integrity among the men in particular. And, and, I, and I know that because I'm a part of that. And, and I think that's, that's what the Bible calls accountability. It's someone will kick your butt every once in a while and say, hey, you know, you're getting too close. You're doing some things. You're flirting with sin. You shouldn't do that. Somebody that's asking the hard questions. Why did you do this? Why, what was the underlying reason? You want, let's talk about that. Why are you giving in to this sin when you know it's destructive? Asking the hard questions. So it, let's talk about what this means it means there's a, there's a word in Scripture, and it's called repentance. And many people, when they hear that word, they imagine just getting down on your knees in sorrow and being really sad about what you did. But being you know, sorry that you got caught in a sin or being sorry for your sin, that's just remorse. That's not repentance. Repentance is saying, God, I am sorry. I sinned against you. I need your help. I will not do this anymore. I need your grace. I need your help. Provide a way out for me. That is repentance. And the point of this whole passage is this, that God is stronger in you, that Christ is stronger in you than the wrong desires in you. So when you face temptation, when you face that seemingly insurmountable thing, you can rejoice that this is a moment, number one, where you can begin to depend upon God. 
Have you ever thought about that? Like your temptation is an opportunity to depend upon God. That Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Let me say that again. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. And so I want you to understand that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that enables you to overcome things that your mind tells you that you can't. I can't. I won't. I will never. Your spiritual enemy wants to, wants to lead you in that direction. You'll never overcome. You've been in this too long. This is too big for you. This is too much for you. You struggled with this for so long. You can't. This, is, this message isn't for you. Well, the, the Bible just says something completely different, and that is God is providing a way out in temptation. And does that mean, by the way, that you're never going to be tempted again? No. But, I, but it's the process of becoming more dependent on Christ, more dependent on who he is. Am I saying, by the way, that someday you're going to wake up one day and you're never going to be tempted, that lust isn't an issue, that, that substance abuse isn't an issue? Am I saying that? No. What I am saying is that you can use those temptations, those moments, to depend fully upon Christ. You see, we are a people that, listen, we are a people that are so obsessed with the self and with, with our own abilities to overcome. We, are, we, we celebrate individualism, rugged individualism. We are love characters like the Lone Ranger, right? That are just do, that take life on by themselves. But there is no Lone Ranger in Christianity. You see, Christianity is a process where the self actually begins to die and you begin to depend upon Christ and experiencing the fullness of his joy. It is, it is Christ and our dependence upon him. That's the direction we're headed in. Not that one day I'll get up and I'll say, you know, got the victory over that one. I'll never experience lust. I'll never experience a, a, a desire for those substances again. I'll never overspend. I'll put down my phone. I'm not addicted to that anymore. But our life begins to move in a direction whereby we depend on Christ and his holiness and his purity, and it washes over us. It is by grace that we exist. It is by grace that we are saved by faith. And it's not of yourselves. It is a gift from God so that no one can boast, that no one of us can say, hey, I've done a lot on my own. I have, I'm depending upon Jesus. And so the power of the Holy Spirit that enables you to overcome things that your mind tells you you cannot because Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. And the last thing I want to leave with you is this, kind of a practical thing. And my practical thought is, because there's always got to be a good takeaway, and that is what you feed grows and what you starve dies. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. So my sister, it seems like a very obvious biological fact, right? But what about a spiritual reality and a truth in that? I think many of us don't take sin seriously. And we flirt with it way, way, way too much. You see, we don't understand that what we're hurting is a loving, living Savior, our Creator, that we are not just sinning against some other person. In many cases, we are. But sometimes we, we lie and we say that there's no one being affected. But the thing is, is that our sin is affecting our relationship with a holy, righteous God. And so even if you're in your temptation and your sin, if you give into it, that uh, you, you feel like you did it in a vacuum and you didn't hurt anybody else. I'm here to tell you this, though, that uh, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. If you surround yourself, like, here, so... I'm going to go, I'm going to get real here for a second. Are you ready? Okay, 
um, we assert our rights. One of the ways that we assert our rights is I have a right to be entertained. And this is like, you know, oh, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to call out your favorite TV show or anything. But I'm going to ask you a hard question. Is what you're putting in your eyes and what you're sitting and watching and what you're binge watching, is that leading you into temptation? Is that something that in a moment, just being honest with yourself, that that is an issue for you? And you need to, you need to ask yourself, is it feeding my temptation or am I starving it? And, and my question is this, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. Are you feeding or are you starving your temptation? I think for many of us, the answer is, I'm feeding it. I'm putting myself in places, I'm looking at things I shouldn't, I'm allowing myself to experience and be exposed to stuff that is harmful to my soul. And I've grown deadened and I've grown um, callous and I'm no longer hearing the voice of God like I should. And I want, to, I want you to have the courage right now to say, you know what, I'm going to take an inventory of my life, and maybe what I'm putting in it isn't creating the relationship, it isn't, uh, isn't uh, accommodating the relationship that I want with my Savior, Jesus. That said, I would like to pray for you. I would like to pray for that courage to change. I would like to pray for that courage to confront honestly the situation with you and God and temptation. Do you understand that God has provided you a way out? That's not a way out of ever being tempted, but that is a way out of the, 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 the moment where we're tempted, where we give in to sin. That moment right there is such a key moment. And I want us to focus in on that. Christ in you is stronger than the wrong desires in you. On your own, there's no way for you to get better. I'm not an optimist when it comes to human nature, when it comes to the ability of a person to just become a better person on their own. I'm, I'm more and more skeptical the longer I live that that will ever happen. But, but I have seen through, through um, submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ, miracles happen. And people that have been walking with Jesus for many, many years, overcoming Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Let me pray for all of us. Lord, we have set up a situation where we uh, deceive ourselves. But Father, your word is truth, and may your truth rest deeply within our hearts today. May we receive it and live it, and understand it. Give us the power to repent, to turn away from our sins, to say, God, I am sorry. I broke your law. I have sinned. I need your help. I, I don't have a way out on my own. I need your grace. Please help me, Lord. I want to depend upon you. I want, I want you to provide that way of escape for me because I feel trapped and alone. And Lord, I, I pray that you would re reach us in the, in the deepest recesses of our hearts where we're, where we're terrified and, and where we are, we've built up walls and we don't allow anyone into that area, that temptation area, that, that area we're struggling with, that we would in a moment of courage just say, yes, God, cry out. I cry out to you, Lord, help me. I feel alone. I feel, uh, I, I, I feel helpless without you, God. I need your grace. I need your, I need, I need your peace. I need your forgiveness. Help me, Lord. Help me in temptation. In Jesus' name, amen.